Hello, hello, and welcome to the re-release of our podcast for 2016's Bald Move Award winning film, Arrival. Arrival is also the winner of the Mega Baldy. That's right, we're officially crowning it as the best Bald Move film of the last five years. Arrival's a thoughtful, moving, emotional look at alien first contact, perceptions of time, the reality of causality. I think it's a sci-fi masterpiece. And if you're not a club member, it's your first opportunity to hear our full spoiler-filled takes on the film. And I imagine there's probably a lot of Bald Move peeps that haven't heard this yet. So enjoy it, because I remember it being a real doozy of a podcast, too. Like, we really, for a first-run movie, we really uh, suck our teeth into that. So congratulations, Annihilation, Mega Baldy winner for, for Best Movie. Um, as mentioned in previous two weeks, or I guess three weeks now, this year marks our sixth annual Baldies Awards. That's why we're doing this five-year Mega Baldy stuff. Uh, and we are using the lead-up to the Baldies Awards to crown Mega Baldies from the winners of the previous five years. The last three weeks, we did Mega Bald, uh, bald Mega winners for comedy, drama, Best male and female actor, and now it's time to crown the megaest of all the Baldies, uh, best drama of the last five years. Uh, remember, the Baldies will be coming out early in February, but there's a survey going on right now. You can participate at at uh, baldies.baldmove.com. Uh, but if you're hearing this, uh, you better get on it right now because I think the the polls are going to close within like an hour, a couple hours of of this podcast dropping. So stop what you do and get to your cell phone, baldies.baldmove.com, so you can be heard. For the uh, listener's choice, Baldies. Um, this category's best drama. I'm going to read off the nominees. 2015 best drama uh, award winner was The Leftovers season two. 2016 it was the the Westworld season one. 2017 The Leftovers season three. 2018 sharpest of objects, sharp objects, and 2019 last year's winner Watchmen. Um, you know, it's a real shame that 2016 and 2018 didn't have any Lindelof shows we could give this award to. <laughs> oh, I forgot. This is a Lindelof, b- 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 just just complete uh, shutdown. Yeah, he's won every year he's competed. The blocking people out, man. He's just, <laughs> yeah. Three out of five of these uh, he's, he's the Michael Phelps of screenwriting, apparently, and show running. Uh, and you know what? I have a feeling he's going to take home the Mega Baldy Gold, Mega Baldy mm. Platinum. I mean, the odds are in his favor. Uh, he's he's in three out of five of these. So the, the real question is: Does he win it for season two or season three? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, fair. you guys. Prob- if you're a long term Bald Move fan, you probably know that there's no other way that this can go because, like, yeah, on my personal television show pantheon, the leftovers is the George Washington position. It might be number two for you, I think. Uh, if I recall correctly, you've got a show a little it's, bit higher. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 going to win. And I think it's going to win for season two. Not because season two is head and shoulders above season three, but season two was like one of the, the last season that they really, truly kind of like raised the level. It you proved know, what this show international, could do. Um, because you're thinking, okay, season one was good. Season one was really good, but what gear does this show possibly have that it can go to that I haven't seen already? Um, yeah. And it showed us going to Jarden yeah. was like a big change, but also 
uh, felt right. Felt like leftovers. Yeah, I remember that being like, yeah, well, how's how's it going to work when you're going to this new location and all this kind of stuff, and it, and and you add all these new cast members, and it just it just it just works, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the last yesterday was th- something going around Twitter. Someone's like, post a scene, uh, post a, a still image that shows where television, like television, redefined what it could be, and people were like posting the picture of Jesse and Walt looking at that hole in the ceiling where a dead body had melted through. <laughs> dead yeah. body goop had melted through and people were posting you know like the time they broke the first the fourth wall for the first time on uh uh flea bag and a lot of others and i i posted kevin singing mm-hmm. uh homeward bound and that season two and like i said season three is still excellent season three was able to find ways to reinvent you know their their formula within it but like season two just like fucking left everything else in the dirt as far as i'm concerned um yeah and it's not even an it's not even an argument um for me anyway what, yeah, what do you what no, do you got I, I, there's also not a big argument to be made for any of these other shows um up against leftover season two i mean they're all excellent shows right westworld season one is easily the yeah, best these are all season of westworld and it yep. blew my mind um sharp objects was incredible but yeah i mean leftover season two is some of the best television I've ever watched. If we want to sort this, like just because this is the best drama, the biggest category, and we've also didn't have to deliberate it much. Um, what does the top five look like if we rank them like an absolute best term? Because I got leftover season two, leftover season three, Sharp Objects, Watchmen, Westworld, mm-hmm. season one. I would definitely uh, take Westworld one higher, um, at least yeah. one higher, maybe two, Above maybe two o- higher. I might put it right in the so middle you, of the pack you, if, if this were just me. Okay. Um, but do you like Sharp Objects better than Watchmen or Watchmen better than Sharp Objects? I think I like Sharp Objects better. Uh, okay. You know, when, when I did that podcast, I wasn't feeling some things about Watchmen. There was some mm-hmm. weird I, shit that I was just not I into. The elephant, elephant <laughs> plug in. And, uh, for, for, my, yeah. for my money, it, it goes uh, Leftover Season 2, Leftover Season 3, Sharp Objects, Watchmen, Westworld. Jim throws, uh, inverts Watchmen and Westworld. But, uh, mm-hmm. Both of us, like, yeah, like, I, yeah, I'm completely in the tank. I'm wearing it on my sleeve. I always tell people the leftover is my favorite show, so it couldn't really go either way. And unfortunately, uh, uh, Breaking Bad's not eligible because I think we finished <laughs> right. its coverage like the year before. Yeah. So I, I would certainly want to make some, want to have the discussion about leftovers and Breaking Bad because those are my two favorite shows. But you'd also be competing on seasons. That's the thing. Uh huh. Like yeah. you, like you'd have to like. Uh, was season five of Breaking Bad beat season two of The Leftovers? Like maybe season three, four. But I don't know yeah, if season five Breaking Bad beats. Crawl beat Space season is two what? Leftovers. Season four? I think that's four. I'm pretty sure it's four. That sounds right. Because uh, to me, like the image I would put up in that thread dude, you were talking about is Crawl Space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think that um, it's funny because like. The, the seasons four and five of Breaking Bad still stick out. So, yeah, it's uh, season four, episode 11 stick yeah, out so, so far in my mind because like that was like the first thing we covered in this kind of depth and the only thing we were covering at the time, crucially. <laughs> right. so, like, And I was like that season. I was like, do was daily Breaking cutter. Bad news roundup. Right. I was doing we, we were doing uh, like our individual written reviews of the show. Like we were like mm-hmm. all like all this stuff is like season four Breaking Bad is like one of those crystalline things in my mind. Yeah. Um, Me man. too. 
Um, Early days. Yeah, but it's not on this list, and Leftovers is, so don't have to have that. Uh, we don't have to have that fight. <laughs> yep, yep. Leftovers season two. Congratulations! I could not be happier to crown you as the mega winner of the of the Bald Move Awards, and uh, we'll probably be announcing this on the. I imagine we'll do a special kind of like ceremony for just the mega baldies uh, winners um, during the show yeah. too. Just just can give him just just give him because you know God God willing we're doing this five years from now we can come back and do a mega mega million baldy mega omega baldy I don't know what's bigger than Whoa. mega giga giga baldy giga ten year award yeah. uh so or I guess the other thing is you could just continue to do mega baldies each five years and then our twenty fifth anniversary do we'll do the five. giga baldies oh, the shoot out of all five of the five mega baldies before yep yep. <laughs> We got It'll we got to figure out something to keep Lindelof from taking over, man. Like you know, yeah, he's gonna have how to many stop shows can TV. he do over twenty five years? You know, like we, we'll get it, we'll beat him with the long game. <laughs> do you think twenty five years from now, Leftovers season two would have a shot? I don't. I mean, I don't know because Leftovers has been in hanging around as number one for like five years now. The Wire had probably carried the previous five years. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm that's that's one of the re- that's one of the reasons I'm excited to get out of bed each morning. Like, what is the show that's going to dethrone okay. the leftovers? Like, I can't I can't wait because whatever it is is going to be a gonzo pleasure to cover. It has to be because it has to be able to defeat the leftovers. So, yeah, I don't know unless unless I've I peaked I peaked in my mid thirties. That'd be sad or late thirties. Yeah, it's possible. I peaked in my late thirties. TV TV peaked, not you. Play yeah. it on television. Yeah, I haven't changed. The screens have gotten smaller. That's the thing. Everyone's on their cell phones nowadays. I keep getting older. The screens stay the same size. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening. I really do hope you enjoy Arrival. If you haven't seen it, you ought to. If you haven't heard the podcast, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and we'll see you real soon next week, in fact, for the mm-hmm. Baldies. Hey everybody, it's uh, Jim and Aaron back with another episode of the first run bald movies. Tonight we're seeing the film, uh, we did see the film Arrival, mm-hmm. directed by Dennis Villano- uh, Villanova, I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, in, anyway, uh, which jogged my memory, and I'm like, I just looked that up on Wikipedia because I've been entering a whole bunch of community commissions in our store. And this guy directed a 2013 film Prisoners starring Hugh Jackman and uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Never heard of it. It's a crime film uh, that got some some note. And he also directed Sicario uh, last year, which I've heard of. I have not seen Um, this uh, movie stars Amy Adams and uh, Jeremy Renner, among others. Forrest Whitaker as Forrest Whitaker. uh, it's it's been a a good good last week or two for um uh who's the guy from Boardwalk Empire Michael Stuhl Stolberg I don't know how you say that but what who, who do you play Arnold In, Rothstein Arnold A R yeah. uh, it's been a good week for old Arnold Rothstein yeah last week we saw him in Doctor Strange. Yep, uh, playing uh, in in slightly inept uh, neurosurgeon, and this week he's playing a uh, I don't know what you call him inept. Um, Neurosurgeon. He's a, reprising his role from Doctor Strange. He's a CIA agent trying to make sense of a world where aliens have, have come to visit us. Jim, what'd you, what'd you yeah. think of this movie? 
Uh, also got Mark O'Brien, which if anybody's watching Halt and Catch Fire, he's Tom. Uh, he's been in it for a couple seasons now. Also good. Uh, so, so the premise of the movie, I, I didn't know anything about this movie going in. Me other either. than other than about aliens. I had seen the image of, uh, right, of these, these pod things, whatever they were, um, that you kind of, that's really the only thing that's out there um, that I saw about this. But then uh, I got in and I, it starts off very slow. It starts off extremely slow. And I don't know that it ever actually picks up pace so much as uh, things come to uh, come to natural uh, kind of flows throughout the movie. Yeah. Sh- and I was really worried like mm-hmm. 20 minutes into this hmm. that I wasn't going to like it. I was just letting it because because you're right. The, mo- the movie is very slow. It's very quiet. It's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's for everyone. No. Uh, I think if you don't don't like um, contact, sure. If you don't yeah. like um, close encounters a third time or third third time, the third and final time, close encounters a third kind. If um, it's got a little bit of like astronaut's wife in it too, because there's this like of kind of an emotional plot that's um, mm-hmm. you progressively revealed throughout the movie. Uh, and I think that's what you mean. I don't think the movie ever picks up pace. There's right. a few kind of, I mean, I, I hesitate but to more even say there. important things start happening, I guess. They're, they're action moments in the way that, like, the apparatus exploding in contact is an action moment. Right. It's something that happens, mm-hmm. and then something has to be dealt with. But it's not like a big explosion. There's no Hollywood really special effects. All the special effects are solid and convincing, but yeah, they're not it, flashy. If you don't have any idea what this film is about, it's essentially trying to understand an alien language. Is, right. Is the the large, you know, kind of the overarching premise of this movie. And I, and I thought of some of that stuff was fascinating, just the scholarship yeah. and the research that went into it and the... Uh-huh. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff that felt very real and even frustrating um, about the way the nations uh, dealt with the crisis and the problem. Sure, but also something very understandable about it. Um, sure. There's, uh, there's a, a certain thing about the, the particular alien language that, it, A, it looks really cool. It's a it's a very visually stunning. They communicate entirely thing. in coffee stains. They do, <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, They've come from the planet Starbuck. Yeah, <laughs> you, t- you can tell this was a novel before it was ever a movie because I bet that's where they got the idea for the shape of that. Uh, yeah, but it, there's there's something about the language that is gradually revealed over the course of the movie that is very very interesting, and and that's what I would describe this movie as interesting. It's, it's in the it's, same way, like you said, as contact. Uh, it's 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 a thinker, right? It it has geopolitics in it, like you're you're saying, like all these different mm-hmm. countries trying to figure this out. Um, it has a, an emotional core to it. I think, yeah, it, it has more surprisingly than I would have guessed. It honestly. has an emotional payload that really sneaks up on you because yeah. of the layered way in which you you this 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 movie tells a story because that's the thing it's like the, and it's wrapped up so intricately with the idea of this alien language that yeah and like really i want to say there's me. a twist but it's not really a twist such as a, no. a a by the time you've gone on this journey a different point of view of what you've seen i will say by the end of this movie watching it felt like experiencing what the main character yeah. was understanding over and, the course and I kind of thought that's the thing because I the first uh, when I was like you I wasn't worried but I'm like two thirds of the movie I'm like 
I'm not sure what I'm going to say about this movie. Like, it's interesting, yeah. and I've I've enjoyed my time watching it, but mm. um, it really is impressive in the way that it communicates its core conceit and themes and, yeah. you know, the universe that it's trying to show, um, and it kind of really sneaks up on you in the last, like, it really just comes together in, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie. Right. So... Um, but like, again, I think there's a lot of people that are just going to fucking snore through this thing and they're not going to get it and they're yeah. going to be bored and they're going to think it's stupid and yeah, they're going to want to know when something blows up and something know. does blow up. Yeah. You will get thing, an explosion, get an explosion. So you'll get like <laughs> 16 frames of a fireball. <laughs> right. Um, but, but yeah, I, um, I, I, I really don't want to say much more about the movie. Uh huh. It's very but slow. I want to talk a lot about it. I did. Yeah. It's very slow. It's very cerebral. Um, and, uh, it's got really great performances. Um, a Jeremy Renner performance I've never really seen before. Like I've always seen him yeah. as like an action dude, right? He's Hawkeye he's or he's Jason yeah. Bourne, mm. whatever the fuck is not re- Jason, Jason Foborn. Yeah. Um, uh, here he's a fucking scientist and mm-hmm. kind of nails it. I think so. Yeah. Uh, other than being maybe a little more muscly than your average scientist. Yeah. He actually reminded <laughs> me a lot of shit. What's that guy? Um, Matthew Broderick. He's the guy that plays stick in daredevil. Oh yeah. You know that guy, he plays, uh-huh. he plays a submarine commander in red October. Right. And when he first walked, like Jeremy Renner first walks in, he's got those kind of wireframe glasses mm-hmm. and he's got the, and, and I'm like, Holy shit. It's, he looks like these, that this like your classical stereotypical nerdy, nuclear physicist submarine commander because he's got like a he's still got enough of that I guess military or tough guy gravitas right, but he's yeah. still like a straight up nerd so yeah and Amy Adams just nails this Man, I mean, she's fascinating she has to play a lot of different parts here um, or or express a lot of different emotions and I think she nails it and I've seen her play so many things I've seen her play like a total sex pot I've seen right. her play a damsel in distress and here she's playing a middle-aged mom who's uh happens to be one of the top linguists on the planet. So, um she's really incredible. Uh Force has Force Whitaker got a droopy eye or is that something he was affecting? Yeah. No, he's always got a droopy I've eye. I've never noticed him having droopy eyes. Can I've you s- not notice it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe I've never seen him on the big screen before, but yeah, no, oh, I've never maybe, noticed that about maybe. him. Yeah, uh, I, I thought maybe he was affecting that or they'd made him up for it. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Right. Um, <laughs> no, that's just him. They but it's he, funny because he's putting on an accent. <laughs> you know, usually in this movie, the military figure is there to be loud and dumb and stupid. And, yeah. oh, we got to launch the missiles. And, we gotta, and he's not. And I yeah. thought that was like, thank good. Right. Good. I, I don't want because that's the thing. Uh, there's a little bit of that in the movie. But I, I get increasingly frustrated when there's an alien quote unquote invasion movie and like mm-hmm. Earth responses to launch their fucking biplanes <laughs> right. and their spears and their arrows like this thing traveled the vast interstellar space faster than light. And you're going to fucking shoot ballistic weapons at it. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Like, yeah. good luck. You are now the Zulu and they have the minigun. So mm-hmm. well, you, you know, enough. I, and, and I'm glad that the movie largely subverts that. So. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything even though else? it acknowledges it as well? You know, yeah, it doesn't ignore it. Clearly, you're. That's the thing. First contact. I've thought a lot about how it will go, but you cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way the media and the way people work is like the one. Of the very first things you're going to think of is, oh shit, what are we going to do if these things decide to fight us? 
right. because of all the things I just said. Like we're essentially helpless. Well, we already know Zephram Cochran's going to build a, <laughs> a warp drive. He's sure. going to go out. He's going to get spotted. I thought Jeff Goldblum was going to whip up us uh, an Apple virus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, I thought I was waiting for Harvey Firestein to come out there and start shouting about the alien language. Uh, so I don't know if you got any more to say non-spoilery about this. Um, no, nope. I, you know, I feel like you, 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 if you're the type of person that's going to see this movie, you, you already know it. And uh, I'm giving you a green light on that. I think you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not exactly a popcorn flick. No, uh, and I don't. We know. had a super respectful audience, though, which was nice. That was nice because that could go really bad. And actually, respectable crowd. I'm, I'm still kind of dialing into my new theater, um, mm-hmm. but it was a pretty full crowd for a pretty. Bra- I, and I wonder if that is just because you know we're closer to the city now, and mm-hmm. it's just going to get a bigger crowd. Like um, uh, Doctor Strange was just flat out packed, hmm. but yeah. this was like a third full, yeah. half full maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, was, uh, I, I have no idea if that's going to translate into box office success. I'd imagine this is not going to make much noise in the box office. I wouldn't think so. I haven't seen much promotion of Oscar it. Oscar buzz for who Amy just for the, like the script. Um, because oh, I do like, I, I think the quality of the way things work out and the fact that such a novel experience might get, yeah. A little bit. If if people see it, they might they they might they might make some noise. I don't think it's going to get best picture or anything, and I also don't think it's going to get the traditional sci fi awards of like special effects or maybe sound right. design. There because are some striking images in it. There that, are striking. The images. first time you see one of these pods, it's kind of shown uh, with this rolling fog coming over a hill, the, and that is the just way it operates and disapparates is really cool. And yeah. and I thought the alien design was sweet, and I actually think mm-hmm. the the sound design. Um, is is really neat too. Yeah. There's a lot of like because there's a lot of alien language and whatnot, and maybe visual design. The alien language is really striking too. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, let's talk about some trailers. Before we do that, okay. though, what did you think? Because this is the this is the second time I've been to this movie theater. Compare and contrast because I'm trying to decide what is going to be my new home base. Compare and contrast this experience to your last week experience. Oh, um, which do you? So they don't serve food at this one, which not, is, is not like food, food on a plate. They, yeah. I, I ate a pizza, so I just beat the fact that they don't serve food. But yeah, they certainly well, don't. They're they not. A, they serve like this type of food you'd get at Kings Island. Or okay, fair an enough. Amusement park. concession food. Yeah, it's concession. You can get beer. You can, and you can get wine, and you can get mm-hmm. ciders and stuff. But you got to go to the bar and get those. Mm-hmm. Um, you get coffee if you want at nine p.m. or whatever. Why not? Uh, Start communicating with the aliens now. But I think these chairs are a little bit better than the one the chairs I was are at last rad, time. Man, they're nice. They're nice. Like it's uh, going to be hard to go back to sh- to regular old theater chairs. Uh, I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> well, Why would I? Well, I'm saying like I imagine in my travels I will go to a conventional movie theater okay, and yeah. like I if you don't have fucking plush recliners that uh, recline at the push of a button and let me just rack out right then get out. <laughs> I did have trouble staying awake at the beginning of this thing. Did, oh, yeah. I was I was actually afraid because it is so slow and uh-huh. it is kind of late and you get so comfy in those chairs that I imagine that you have a drink or two and mm-hmm. it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the the chairs were a little bit better. Um, the the screen was bigger, which was nice. So I think overall, I like the theater better. The X, I feel like the XD projection. There's something to it because it does seem like really pops too. Yeah, it was crisp. Um, but you know, it's kind of a downside that I can't get an actual meal. Right. I had to eat these fucking pretzel bites. Yeah, those, I had those last week. They're not 
They're, they're, yeah. Well, you know, they're on Thursdays. They're, I just don't carnival have food. time to eat. So the idea that I could eat in the theater while watching the movie is awesome. Sure. So. Uh, so trailers, uh, I want to talk about Billy Lynn's long halftime walk because I've since done some digging or haven't done some digging. I've been, been, um, spending a lot of time in the movie subreddit on Reddit and big haboo about the hubaboo hubababaloo about this is that, uh, Ang Lee filmed mm-hmm. it at 120 frames per second. And it's going to be displayed where possible at 120 frames per second. Now, last okay. time there's been a big frame rate experiment was the Hobbit series where Peter it, it I actually saw the first one in 48 frames per second and I thought it it made it look cheap. Yeah. Uh, Ang Lee's maintaining that that's because you've got an uncanny valley effect where at 24 frames per second that reads as like cinematic. Mm-hmm. At 48 it looks like a soap opera. He's saying at 120 uh, 120 frames per second that you actually get like a real a lifelike quality to it. Um, that people huh. are going to find striking, and so all the very mixed. That... There's v- lots of mixed stuff about. Uh, some people think this is the next step in cinema, and some people say this isn't a, a fucking abortion. Huh? Okay. Um, I know in video games, frame rate matters a lot. Right. I'm very surprised that there seems to be this this 24 frames per second purity test that's going around right now. That like. You know, twenty four right. frames or 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 death. Like you know, it's like it's an artistic thing. Like like it's it the same like way. Dream like it's the it. same way that Roger Eber used to talk about. You know, real film versus digital. Right. Like there was a couple years there where he was putting on his grandpa pants, and he and was kind of right about digital in the beginning. In the beginning, yeah. but he also like you know every single time he'd see something film, he'd had to have to t- you know it's like oh it's such a gorgeous you know. And it, uh, yeah, I like a 35 millimeter print or a 70 millimeter print as, you know, as much as the next guy, uh, an IMAX print. Those yeah. things are pretty sweet, but I think the man <laughs> doth press. So I don't know. I, I'm yeah, I, in a blind I, test. Could he tell? I didn't really. I was kind of interested in seeing it because I like Ang Lee's work. Um, and I think he, he's kind of a vision. You know, I, he's a visionary filmmaker. Uh, Life of Pi is amazing. The Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon's amazing. I even like this Hulk. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I'll just watch it on home. Now I'm kind of in a bind. I kind of want to see it in a the theater because I want to see this new deal and and get get a kind of an idea for myself of whether I like it or not. Yeah, you should probably see it then. It's yeah. next week, right? In wide release. What? No, I thought it was in. I thought it was in December. It's next week. Really? They said the. I think they said the 11th. For like limited release and then 18th for wide, but oh. maybe that was another movie okay. that we saw. Uh, well, I definitely want to see. I don't but know if I'm going to see it opening night. Um, yeah, there are so many like quotes in there that are just like, "This is the next step in cinema." Like we've never seen a movie anything close. And, and I to think this they're talking film. about because there's a lot. Of, it looks like there's a lot of war footage, and you know that's the one thing that I. It, I actually has always bugged me about films is when there's a lot of motion going on. I can tell the bl- I can see the blur and it bothers me. Right. So I'm kind of curious to see what this like, you know, is this going to and, and I, you know, it, it's it, I'm a guessing it's going to look better than a GoPro because when I think of like high yeah. definition, high frame rate, I think a GoPro footage. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Okay. Uh, Manchester by the sea. I also Casey Affleck making a a bid to be taken seriously as a as a as a artist, which is funny because sure, that's fine. Today I just add, added to the shop uh, for a commission for uh, for community commissions the uh, out uh, the cowardly Robert Ford the assassination of Jesse James about a coward Robert Ford, hmm, and okay. I guess 
Casey Affleck is one of those two characters in that. Because uh, I always thought Casey Affleck is just essentially uh, the decaffeinated version of Ben Affleck. Uh, I don't know. So I saw him in that Joaquin Phoenix documentary. That he's very faux- Giovanni Ribisi. He's he's got he's got he's in the same lane as, as that guy. Okay, sure. Probably I probably did I butcher his name. No. Oh there you wow. Go. Cool. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I kind of like I kind of like uh, Casey Affleck. He's all right. Um, but it's also got the kid from Zero Theorem, which is a Cherry hmm. Gilliam Gilliam movie, whatever it is, however you say it. Uh, he, I, I really liked his performance in Zero Theorem, and it looks like he might do something similar, um, though a little more nuanced and a little more interesting here. Yeah, the, the setup a, a is, seems to be that um, uh, Casey Affleck is getting guardianship of a teenage boy after yeah. his parents died and maybe even like yeah uh, enough family that he was probably like the last person and it's not like a comic effect it's more like this guy is just you know um i don't know it's interesting because it's like I, I feel like there was some scenes that showed him with the child younger where like they had a good relationship mm-hmm. but it's kind of like you know that disrupts your life completely yeah like if my like my sister told me one of the last holidays that if she died she wanted me to take her kids i'm like jesus christ all three of them like, <laughs> and you have to move to across the country. Or Fuck yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm like the big, big kicker. You know, it's like I, I love these. I, I like kids in principle, and I like my sister's kids, but that's a lot. That's a, is, that's yeah. a lot to mentally and emotionally take. Um, and you got to do it, kinda. Sure. Like yeah. you can't just let. It's like, what are you going to do? Sorry, let him go bro. to foster care? Like, right. That's well uh, within your legal rights, as that guy said. Sure. So. I don't know. It looks interesting. It looks kind of Oscar Beatty, but it also looks like a quality project. Yeah. Um, ben Affleck and not Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck and, and Casey Affleck. Together. Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. Right. Cotillard or That's whatever. Spy movie. World War II. Allied. I don't think we talked about this before. I well, I think we have. Okay. Many many times actually, and I talked about it Brad briefly Pitt's, last week. Brad but, Pitt's wife might. Oh, that's right. You tried to describe it to me. I, I, yeah. I, uh, Brad Pitt's wife might be a German spy right. in World War II. Yeah. That's it. That's the, the whole thing. It's essentially thing. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He's either got to kill her or it, it's the prequel on. of Mr. Mr. Smith. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, office Christmas party. I kind of think this looks funny. I like T.J. Miller sort of irrationally because right. of Silicon Valley. Yep. Uh, and I like uh, fucking Arrested Development guy whose and, name I can't uh, think Justin of. Justin Bateman. And, and it's got Kate McKinnon. Jennifer Aniston. Sure. I like Maul. I might want to see this. Yeah. I, th- that there's the one particularly horrifying and hilarious scene where oh, the, the guy takes swings a header from the second into balcony the, oh, Jesus. and just drops onto a rack and cr- I don't know if he wakes gets up from that or what yeah. but violent, disturbing but hilarious and I don't know, maybe I, I want to see I it. I just don't know if I enjoy those type of movies anymore. Like, I I've see moved it on the theater, to stuff that's, that's sure. like more absurdist and Yeah that kind of more than I have like um, you know something that's just like oh look at these people being drunk and crazy right I it's mean a little too bro for me usually but yeah I, uh, we'll see I I'm I'll probably watch it when it comes to like Netflix or something uh, so there you go there's a the trailers we are about to engage in deep spoiler talk I would highly encourage everyone not to listen to this next part unless you've seen the movie if you think you're going to see it at all uh, where do we even start with this? Does it matter? Do we need to start at the beginning? Or we start at the <laughs> it end? really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so you say you got a lot to say about this movie. I feel don't feel like I do. Like um, the experience of this film and watching it and watching 
the, the the slow dawning of what was going on with her daughter and hers relationship and mm-hmm. what they were doing with it in the movie um, took me by surprise. And then the, I don't know what you would call it, an, an act of faith or whatever uh, acknowledgement of the universe is deterministic to get to, 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 to opt to go through all that again, even you've gone through it or the fact that you can't help but go through it. Uh, I thought that was really interesting and also kind of moving. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm with you 100%. Um, I I love how they constructed this movie um, because I really do feel like I should have seen this coming all the way from the beginning. And, and therefore, I feel like I'm experiencing roughly the same thing that she is. Do you think, because I, I, I had the same thought, like, Jesus, how did I not know what was going on before they kind of explicitly told you what was going on? Um, and then uh, I think maybe the slow pace kind of lulls you into, like, this is a pretty straightforward story right. about... And, and they're very tricksy in a, a sixth sense kind of way, mm-hmm. where a lot of her effect in the beginning she's just a busy professional person who's lonely. It reads kind of like a woman whose life has fallen apart and she's dr- drinking wine by the bottle. Like you know, she's got yeah. the, the bottle size glasses and they, that's misdirection mm-hmm. making you think, Oh, but the whole time I was thinking, damn, Amy Adams look awfully fucking young. Like, like, and they don't age her at, at any point in like mm-hmm. the 20 years, I guess she goes through in this movie, which might be a little tricksy too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, there's something about that where they mentioned at the very beginning how memory is a funny thing um and that um and she makes it somehow clear that she's not sure what was in the past and what's in the future uh right up front in this movie and so it makes it a little easier to kind of spot things that are happening as they happen i guess but that i also just interpreted that in this in the context of what it's like to have a child that dies at a relatively young age sure the the, the thing she said perfectly described what i was seeing too right right and And that's very six sensey like i kind of want to see this again because i think you i don't i don't know if you if i like the sixth sense when I saw it again, I'm like, oh, well, yes, of course, this is exactly what's going on. Right. I feel like uh, it's, it's a similar thing will happen if I watch this again, too. It's like I'm not going to glean anything new out of it. It's just because that's that's kind of the brilliant part is by the time you understand everything, you understand everything. Yeah. And yeah. then I, I, I was surprised that. After they'd revealed everything, the final like five minutes of the movie has a lot of emotional weight because mm-hmm. it's essentially a woman deciding to. You know experience a bunch of painful things over again yeah and i don't i can't fully articulate why but because there are also the good times in there you know they show them dancing in the kitchen um you know it's it's her life it's the story of her life and it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing it's just what it is right Uh, which which is a fundamental fundamentally different understanding than how we as humans view it right like that's what the the movie is really trying to get at is and you have to go with this conceit that the the language you speak changes the way you think Isn't and it not weird just how like just coincidentally three different things that we've seen in the last month or two are kind of wrapped up into that conceit yeah first pontypool then west west wing west then, world yeah yeah west wing world uh and now this movie they're all about how language can influence the way you perceive things which they make a statement 
to help you kind of like introduce that concept that like depending on what language you were raised in can change how you view right yourself and others and your place in the world and like all kinds of different things and i that seems very true to me sure now now the conceit there is that will actually change the your ability to see the future and the past as one that thing, right? is like a that's, sci-fi concept right yeah. that's something you just have to roll with um and i'm fine rolling with that because it's such an interesting idea um and they do a lot of other like little things in the way that like all the different nations try to communicate with this right he, mm-hmm. she talks about how uh china plays a game with it is playing mahjong. mahjong is playing tiles with it um and it flips the table and says you're fucking cheating <laughs> right bullshit you pulled a dragon top uh, <laughs> uh but but that's interesting because like she she says that there are really only a, a couple of outcomes there and it's all about offense and defense and you get sort of an aggressive relationship with it yeah, and you china falls into that in too. Right, right. right and they and she also mentions chess and russia is also one of the the nations that kind of falls down the rabbit hole with with the violence um, and, and thinking that there's something uh, potentially dangerous about to happen. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting there. One well. thing I found frustrating, and I don't know whether this is a conceit to dumbing dance things down to the audience, but I don't think the people that were going to probably see this movie needed it is I didn't really think it was Forrest Whitaker had to act like a complete fucking moron. Like what do you mean? Amy Adams win. goes up and and gets them to spell out a few letters and she like on her second and they're like, OK, what are they talking about? Why? Why are you doing yeah. what's all this grade school yeah. grammar and shit? She's like, motherfucker, do I really have to explain how you teach someone to communicate? Do you not remember how you learned the yes. English language? Yes. Like, have you never been in a country and try to communicate someone that you don't under You know, you don't even have a common frame of reference. And except for you right. do, you've been from a the same planet you have the same body you have this you know like yeah i, I just uh, that stuff was so fucking tiresome and they did it like two or three times and then the other thing i felt was frustrating is that the two scientists in the room are the only ones that weren't freaking out when they were saying like you you know use the weapon or mm-hmm. or, or you know and i'm like are you really going to nuke the alien because you have only taught it 20 or 200 words right and, and it's such an ambiguous statement. Yeah, I, I just that stuff is like felt a little forced to me. Yeah, it hasn't made any aggressive move toward you. Nothing. Even uh, when you fucking tried to blow it up because, right. you know, and that's the other thing. I thought that was horseshit. No fucking way to these guys, these these security dudes managed to run a blockade and upload a bunch of C4 inside a 10 minute timer. And no one notices until the scientists decide to make. But also, who the hell's controlling access to this thing? The scientists can just waltz up and be like, "Wait, so that wasn't sanctioned?" No, oh, oh no, I thought it was. No, that they, they they showed the scene of him talking to his wife and how frantic and desperate she was oh, to that, set up that this was like a rogue action of the security forces. That makes so much more sense because I'm like, why would they let them up there if they knew there was a bomb? Up right, there? and why are they so nonchalant about it? Yeah, after? yeah, <laughs> okay, no. all um, right. But I thought those are the two minor missteps of the film yeah and i don't think they needed it i almost i almost feel like they saw a first cut of this movie and like shit there is no tension right and conflict at all this was essentially jake Busey getting onto the fucking <laughs> the portal machine whatever it was in contact right was that jake Busey? oh yeah right <laughs> it was, was it was Busey, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, essentially him getting on there and blowing it up yes exactly 
Exactly. Yeah, they really took a lot of contact cues. It was Jake Busey. You're right. He was the religious nut job. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> you tell by the teeth. Uh, Great day for Busey today. It sure is. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is they show her having written a book in the future that is the handbook to this language. This universal communication language. And we know that the aliens want them to help out in 3,000 years with something, right? Which the movie never tells us. Yeah, that doesn't actually end anywhere. Um, and we assume that in 3,000 years, something would happen. And we'll have our shit together to where we can help And them. they're giving us the weapon, which is the language, the ability to essentially all of humanity to see into the future, to know what these events are, right? At, at least their own lives, and maybe maybe they can come together. Maybe this will be a unifying force. So I, I I've kind of been wrestling about whether the aliens intended them that all humans would be able to use this uh, time surfing communication, mm-hmm. or whether that's something unique to Amy Adams since she has such a kind of um, an instinctive grasp of of linguistics. Uh, because it doesn't yeah. seem like it seems like uh, like, you know, when we go to some of these fu- uh, flashes in the future that no one else really can do this but her. Well, it's, but I also think that the, the definitely the aliens at very minimum wanted to unite Earth so they can start working together towards common purposes. So they would be right. in a position to be able to understand this language fully and navigate time and be able to help be be able to be able to be good galactic citizens in the future. I, I don't. But that that's what my I thought. Yeah, I, they mentioned specifically 3,000 years, and I don't know why. And they never tell us. Right. Uh, but I did get the impression that during the scenes where she is, like, learning the Chinese uh, the Chinese guy, I don't know his fucking name, I think it's I Zhang. don't know his position. Zhang? Zhang. 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 Uh, sure. That's his name. Uh, when she's talking to him and he's giving her his phone number, his private phone number, and telling her what to say, I got the impression that he also had come to a grasp of this language and that this was something that they were doing together. Not necessarily like, Oh, that's interesting. He did say he came up and said, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to show you this, which might be kind of, cause she also, it's not like she's intentionally navigating. She's intuiting these flashes of her previous and future selves. I don't think he's like at the same level that she is at that point. Yeah. Um, when they actually have this conversation now, I'm sure that conversation probably, I, I don't know. That conversation can't take place any differently in the future. Right? Well, so <laughs> that's the other question. I, I don't As know if we, we want to get to now or, uh, but I want to explore the concept of the universe being de- entirely deterministic. Okay. I did want to talk a little more about the time, the okay. time. Stuff. I, I definitely want to come back to a, de- okay. de- a clockwork universe because it seems like that's what the uh, movie is kind of promulgating. Cause I don't see how, if it's if the universe is non-deterministic, unless there's mm-hmm. like I guess you could have like a multiverse theory. I I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm right, speaking right. out of my ass. So it would it, have to be deterministic for them to ever have that conversation that tells her to have the conversation. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Okay. Sure, I see what you're saying. Because because uh, if if not, then if if it's not a universal reference for uh, you know if there's not a universal reference point to view time and events, then mm-hmm. how the hell does any of that stuff work? And also, it's but but also robs a little bit of the emotional payload because at the end she has no choice but to go through everything she's gone to go through. It's not like she elected I to so, yeah. take the pain with the pleasure and joys. She's just like, hmm. 
it's a more of a resignation of like, well, you know, that's the way life is. Right. Which is fine. That that works too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, coming to terms with that can also be an, a sort of inspiring thing, right? <laughs> like, you don't have to go get all bent out of shape because a bad thing's going to happen to you. Right. Um, but it, so it's interesting, like how this would change humanity because, you know, you, you think of a baby being born with this this ability right as as they they grow up they don't speak english they don't speak chinese they speak or or they understand this language Uh and how they could then see the future of their life and i i don't know if they would understand what they're seeing um you know it would almost be like your level of the mastery of the language would help you to understand what you're seeing in these flashes yeah how does she keep because at some point they imply that she's keeping her child's diagnosis from her which you know fit, i guess well, by only teaching her english but yeah not yeah the, you're not, not gonna the teach new, her the universal language yeah what the hell aren't they teaching that in schools like she wrote a book on it right. Teach your daughter that come right. on it's a huge advantage right in every situation uh i also wonder because they also but make it's like it an seem- evolution of humanity right i mean that that changes the species at a fundamental level. Why did Jeremy Renner get mad at her for making the wrong choice? What? For making the wrong. Oh, oh, what when was he the, left her? I mean, I don't think it was a treat course of treatment. Um, was it the fact that he wasn't going to tell her? She wasn't going to tell her the disease, the, that she had the disease. So I don't know when this, when this stuff, is that even a question you can ask in this movie? Uh, I I don't know how much of this stuff is a single timeline because I feel like the stuff that happened in the kitchen scenes later on, Mm -hmm. if he learns this language, he's going to understand it all, right? Right. When she tells him that there's going to be this disease thing, he can go, yep, yep, no, you're right. I suppose, but again, I I came away from the movie uh, uh, understanding that only she had the full capabilities of this language. Right. Um, So, I... But was it something you can't learn? Did, Did you think... Because, I mean, they make the point, like, your language, the language you speak changes not just how you think, but... Yeah, I you suppose know, if the, you if if Jeremy Renner is able to fully master it, right? So but maybe he, he needs, leaves her, and then later on he masters it, and he's like, "Oh yeah," and he comes back. Oh no, I don't or think it does he, happen. I and then he comes. Yeah, back. I think all those scenes in the kitchen were of their early relationship before they had the kid, right? Um, but yeah, that's like I thinking like, okay, well, did, was he mad yeah. that he was go- she was going to tell her, or that she he decided she decided not to tell her, or I don't know. It's definitely one I'm going to have to see because I've always wondered that too. Is like what when if if you knew a child was going to die of a genetic condition, but not like right away. Like they're going to like maybe make it till they're 18 or 19, right? You know, they got cystic fibrosis or muscular dystrophy or something like that that's going to take them, but not like you know, like you got childhood cancer and you're going to die, right? How do you? I mean, when do you tell a child that? How do you tell a child that? I don't know. That's I don't either. Fuck all that impossible. shit. Like I, that's like um, unbearably sad subject. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it goes, but it, there's something very interesting about the idea that humanity now has this this power, essentially. And also, because I've I've read some lot of far out examinations of you know uh, what the concept of time mm-hmm. and to try to explore it in like a higher dimensional way. Um, 
the fact that you said like, oh, can you even say like when something happens? And I'm like, that's a funny subject because like we don't have no problem about talking about uh, where something is and that we can just we're three dimensional beings. We can navigate in, through space so right. we can go to these coordinates and we can even say when something's happened. But but where it's like, oh, you can take a wrong turn and go back and find it. When is something that's you got the one chance. Right. But there's nothing that I don't think that violate. Like, I think that's one's interesting. There's nothing that really violates anything. If you could, you know, go back and forward through time. Okay. Right. I, well, what I'm trying to I don't see is like violates anything. I guess it, it's, it's like saying that, like saying, I'm, I'm not saying like that you could change anything, but you could nav, you could navigate um, to the future and remember and, and perceive the future as easily as you can perceive the past. Okay. Like, I don't know. I don't have a satisfactory answer about why we can't do right. that. Right. So the same way that like, if you walk across the room, you are no longer on one side of the room. You're on the other. Right. And I you can would go just back. be right. But, but you're only in one given time at any place, right? And th- those things that you do in that time are things that happen in that time. It's not like, right. but th- this becomes a problem. And the fact that memory, you remember right? your future, you remember your future in a way you remember your past. Like some things are really vivid and some things are kind of fuzzy. Cause I thought that was interesting too. Uh-huh. When Zhang came up and said, I need, she's like, she's like, Oh, right. I called you. Yeah. In the same way that he would have said, Hey, we met three years ago at a conference. Oh, that's right. Like uh-huh. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it does make it feel like a, a memory rather than a And it might be. I mean, maybe that's because it's not. It's not exactly precog and I wonder if you could like I I think that's fascinating. Like, what is it like to perceive that? Sure. Right. And it's something that in most fiction I've seen this is what's super fascinating about this movie to me, is in most fiction I've seen it's just an innate ability that a, a a being or a species or whatever has, right? Right. Like an alien race comes down and they just have the ability to move through time. It's something innate to their form, right? And what they are. We don't but ever this, We don't ever see the the um, the missing link or them groping through right, that. The evolution power. to that, or even in Star Trek, it's like one right, guy. He's a, a human, human and suddenly turns into the Sylvanian man. You <laughs> right. know, it's like. But in this, it's an understanding yeah. that that evolves you. And that's interesting. And I don't know if there's a message um, kind of, you know, buried in there. It's not, I don't think it's buried super deep, but this sort of unifying idea that as as a species, we could be much more than we are if we learn to communicate. Yeah. And with it, like, it, you know, that time is as much of a matter of perception. It's a way. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I was thinking of like some conversations had in the Westworld podcast is bicameral mind, like the theory going as thousands of years ago, we've always had, well, not always, but for a hundred thousand years, we've had this conscious and unconscious self. Right? right. Yeah. But only very recently we become aware of the internal monologues and the, 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 your, your conscious thoughts as being something that comes from within us. It's not yeah. like an external force. Nothing changed. It was just our perception. Right. So like, is it totally mind blowing that we could choose or train ourselves to perceive time differently. Right. It's an interesting concept. I mean, I mean, I don't like, know if there's any science to no. back this up at all, but no, it's an interesting, it's idea. an interesting thought experiment yeah. or a philosophical experiment. Same way. Like when you look up and see the stars, you know, you're looking at things that happened 
hundreds of thousands right. of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like no one gets all their fucking panties in a wad about that concept. For sure. Yeah. That like, depending on how far the star away is, you're seeing anything that happened from uh, a year to hundreds of thousands, or even millions of years ago. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting to me. Yep. Uh, I guess I don't have much more to say about this movie. I, I did we want to talk about did we did we talk about the I feel like I we talked about the non-determination really frankly like what is it because I, I want to see the three thousand year event I want to I want to I want to see what they're preparing us for and what humanity looks like three thousand years into the quote unquote future do with you, this ability do you think we have the vision and imagination to make that movie I don't think so because <laughs> that's the thing I like, don't personally no I can barely grasp what they're trying to show me in this movie <laughs> right. that's why I, I think you said it's like the interesting or fascinating thing is the fact that this movie does seem to be like on the tip of my tongue like I can yeah. almost articulate the feeling that they're trying to get me to feel and exactly the, the concepts are trying but not quite and I'm like I wonder if the filmmakers themselves grasp that and this is also based on a novel which i'm gonna have to to. read i mean i mean it's so masterfully done there and that's the thing about the language too right it's a visual thing that expresses an idea that there aren't really right there aren't really words for there aren't sounds for it's just it's based on concepts based on right a feeling almost right that feels very much like this movie yeah um and it's unlike primer which i thought was a brilliant film but cheated at the end like there's okay. uh, things i think are done like i wish that didn't happen in this film because i think they, they take away but mm-hmm. i um and i wish i actually love the interview the director of the film and be like why did you do some of these things did you not trust the auditor did was this did right. the studio make you or did you think it was just even too slow that uh because like i i felt in the end some of those things distracted from the points to move you're trying to make but I, I, yeah it's uh it's one of the hardest sci-fi films I've seen in a good long time. I'm maybe, trying to maybe think. Maybe like The Martian was the last one I saw that was really. But that's a different type of sci-fi. Oh, very different. Like yeah. that's like, um, isn't it cool sci-fi. what we can almost do essentially or what we could right. probably do right now if we decided to do that instead of other bullshit that we're doing. Um, Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar is a good. As, the highest, but but even. Yeah, because yeah, they had this that's the fifth dimensional beings and the fact right. that we caused our own. That was a noodle bender that we essentially saved ourselves from our own extinction. Right. Because we evolved. Because yeah. Matthew McConaughey likes to float around in a bookstore. Something like that. Right. <laughs> a bookshelf. Yeah, there's another. But I, I guess maybe this movie is the more the most successful of those. And because I thought I Interstellar. I remember Interstellar. I just got to a point where, like, I don't think it's possible to do what just happened by the movie's own logic and by how I understand science. Whereas, right with this movie, I'm just at a loss because I intuitively understand what you're trying to do, and I don't. Doesn't seem like there's any holes in it. You just have to accept. I think maybe not that that you've got to compare. You have a you have a very linear. Uh, deterministic universe. It's not mm. random. It's like if it, it's a it's a clockwork mechanism that's going to play back and forward the same way every single time. Yeah. Well, I found my next Audible book. I got to go get this. Thing oh, right. And, and yeah. Check out the book. Yeah. Um, the novel's called "The Story of Your Life" and it's written by Ted Chang. I think is it's it looks like it's Chang, but it's got an I in a weird place. So maybe it's Chiang. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, and it, I, 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 I thought it was Chinese too, but apparently it is English. Okay. 
Um, but I yeah, I definitely. I, I went back and read the book afterward, and I want to do that with this. And it's only it's a short story too, right? And it's a 2000 Nebula uh, award winner too. Hmm. So uh, I think it's cool. Oh my god, it's got it's the first paragraph quotes something from the Saper Wharf hypothesis or Warfianism. What? Some linguistic and cognitive. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> okay. named after Worf, son of Moog. Right. It's the Moog Worf hypothesis. <laughs> hypothesis. Did you know Alexander is a palindrome? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But if you beat with the batleth enough, it it will be one. Um, yeah, that's a great. That's also an awesome metaphor. The daughter's name and it being a palindrome and how right. this movie works forward and backwards and. Uh, it's, it's cool. It's a thinker. I'm going to be thinking about it a lot and I definitely want to tear into this book. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I That's like it. a lot of our, uh, uh, first run movies, this is just going to fall apart. Peter out at the end. That's fine. Yep. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for a Harry Potter thing and Jim is going to sit that one out. Yeah. Uh, of course we got lunch tomorrow and everything comes out next week. Uh, we just recorded a, a pod, a point break podcast it's going yes. to be coming out next week this glow oh man uh well we didn't record it we're recording it yesterday we watched it today right what a movie we're going to record it yesterday did i say that i think i've <laughs> i think i looked at the coffee stains too much jim yeah it's all becoming six dimensional <laughs> chess now uh anyway good night uh have a great weekend and if you want your mind blown go see this movie